Hey everyone, welcome to Tales from the Pros, and this is Michael Giorgio, your host and co-founder of Imagine Ovation. My special guest with me here today is an award-winning author, speaker, and founder of Enseer, and recently recognized as the UK's national top 10 entrepreneur and innovator for some of the innovative and disruptive solutions within both the e-commerce and 3D printing space. He was also recognized as UK's under 35 top new talent by industry leading publications. Please welcome Sahaj Kothari. This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles, and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Sahaj, I really appreciate you being with me here today, man. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Here as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, Sahaj, you know, uh, we've been connecting on LinkedIn a little bit and and trying to uh, find, you know, get a good time for you to be on this podcast. So, again, really appreciate you being being with me here today. So, I, I originally saw you, as I mentioned, on LinkedIn and found you very interesting uh, regarding just overall entrepreneurship and business and e-commerce marketing as well. But what really intrigued me was you being recognized as a top 10 entrepreneur in the UK. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this position and, and maybe just give us a little background on your story? Oh, it's a, it's, it's a big question um, <laughs> and, a, and, and an interesting one as well. So um, my background is a career. Um, so, so I live in London. Um, I studied here from university um, I went through jobs through Procter & Gamble, Ernst & Young, pretty much very close to uh, consumer brands, consumer products. You know, for, for me, from the day one, you know, joining Procter & Gamble, I, I had some passion for products, like physical products, uh, because that inspires and touches human lives every day um, in a large number of uh, kind of scenarios. So, so that's where it started off in passion. And... About four years ago, three or four years ago, for fortunate or unfortunate reasons, uh, the company I was working for went almost under. Um, mm. Now, at the time, it was a very, very difficult situation. My mortgage was down. Uh, we had just moved to a new house. Everything was tied up. And I could I hardly had like two or three months of kind of survival kit in my bank. Um, and that's it. So I think, but something was inside me. It's like, you know what? I need to do something on my own, maybe this is a good reason, excuse to get on with it. And I started off my journey um, of entre- like, like, like everyone entrepreneurs, like super excited about what entrepreneurship is. Um, I was completely naive. I had no clue what entrepreneurship is, except <laughs> that it sounded so cool. And it just sounded some element of freedom. Like, you know, I, I'm your own, I'm my own boss, I can decide and whatever. Long story short, again, uh, details for for some of the time, but it really didn't go well uh, for mm-hmm. the first year. It was to the point I had big, big debts on my credit cards. I just didn't want to go back to a job. Um, but what that allowed me to explore is through failures and multiple failures um, is kind of what worked and what didn't. I, and I pretty much learned to survive. You need to really disrupt. You start need to really disrupt the market, be very, very different. Uh, uh, one of my coach um, said, you know, don't drown in the sea of sameness. Um, mm. I love that quote. I love that quote. So, you know, so, so that's, that's what started off my kind of journey. Okay, how do I 
really disrupt something that already exists. Um, and that's where I kind of stumbled upon e-commerce. It's, it was obviously trending and everything. And, you know, um, and my previous life was helping brands to win in the retail space. And they were struggling. And that's kicked me off to, 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 to think about how e-commerce can help them create a completely new way of connecting and building sales channels and platform, which you know, learning from the likes of Amazon or Netflix, you know, how can brands yeah. learn from them and adopt them um, from it? Um, and, and that journey started off. And similarly, parallelly, there's another company we established called Making 3D. 3D printing, that, is, that, that, that keeps me awake at night. I'm super excited. Um, so we had an R&D team um, in Bangalore. So this was in Asia. Mm-hmm. We were super, super excited, kind of working on disrupting the kind of 3D printing industry, uh, you know, how it's going to change the world and everything. But through that, through that experience, uh, we had a chance to work with companies like Mercedes-Benz, like improving their engine efficiency um, or helping someone restore their broken joint who was shot in his face or working with companies like ISRO, who is um, kind of Indian version of NASA, and they are the fastest growing space programs in the world, and helping them help improve their kind of designs and engines and rockets. And, 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 and that's, got, that's what started getting traction in, in the market space and how, what we're doing and how we're doing. Wow. Uh, that, that got attraction in the local market in our, in our Merton Chamber and then nationally UK for, for some. Um, I think w- one of my passions and vision um, in this 3D printing space is you know, how can we create affordable homes within less than $2,000 in one day um, for it. Um, that is huge and that will take some time, but that is on the, on, that's what we are on the journey to make it happen. So. Big dreams, big dreams on the part. Yeah, no, that's great. And and so for you be recognized as, as one of the top, um, you know, entrepreneurs up up and coming, just leaders in the UK. What? How, how did they? How did you get recognized for that award? What what happened? Um, it's it's kind of organic. So in the second year of the business, um, we were recognized by the local chamber of commerce and kind of the, um, we. I live in the Wimbledon area of London, and there's kind of different boroughs, right, um, and um, we had an office of kind of co-working space at the time. It was kind of just starting it off. So kind of word of mouth, there was a uh, so chamber of commerce got hold of us and kind of said, okay, you know, you have something to share. You're doing something interesting. You know, you, you should apply for this award and share us more information. So they asked some more information about what I did. And it, it, it's one of those, like, because you're working in such silos and you're working your own, you don't know if you're, you know, how you're calibrated across the market. Are you good or bad or average? Um, and that in the second year, I won, I came a kind of best new business award and second in entrepreneur of the year, year award locally. Um, and the following year, all the winners from a small boroughs were then competing against at a national level. So I think that the local then went to national and that's where it got tracked um, for, for, for us, which was awesome. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's fantastic to hear that. And and I know now that you're also the founder of NCR, and we definitely want to talk about your company that you're uh, currently running. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a better understanding of what NCR does and, and how you help uh, B2C companies sell and distribute their physical products online? Absolutely. So uh, one of the biggest challenge I see in today's marketplace is, you know, the traditional route of going to market for you know, brands with physical product is really, really challenging. You know, you know, the times of going to a distributor, to a wholesaler, to a retailer, you know, the retail itself is a very challenging environment and it's not encouraging new brands, new product lines to be tested and et cetera. And uh, my, my previous career life was helping brand in, in the retail space. So I know exactly how difficult that was. Um, so that is one side of the coin. The other side of the coin that, you know, we were looking at you know, companies like Casper. You know, Casper is a bed. They sell mattresses. They sell bed mattresses. And they mm-hmm. were growing at 60% and 70% while the counterparts in retail were going at 1% or 2%. Like there's a massive difference in terms of how e-commerce approach, you know, companies having e-commerce solutions drive growth. And, you know, the retail space and consumer goods space were really struggling with growth, especially in UK and Europe. Um, and that's, that's how we started our journey and kind of approaching it. How, and the way we help is if someone has amazingly good products, we can help them brand it online, market for them online, sell for them online and help distribute across 26 markets in Europe. Now, all of a sudden, instead of knocking doors on the retailers or distributors or wholesalers, you create your own shop, own channel that you control, that you decide how you want to go to market. You decide how you want to connect to your consumers. You decide how much you want to sell, what products you want to sell, um, and so forth. So almost kind of a digital arm of the business um, for those brands. So you created a, a massive opportunity. You're creating all these, I would call them digital opportunities for these physical product companies to sell their, sell their things online. That's, that's pretty amazing. Hmm. It's, it, it's, it's been, it, it's been great. Um, and, and some of the feedback that we have seen, you know, companies do, they're trying to get into the retail space. And all of a sudden, you have this new channel, which are kind of growing into multi-million pound businesses annually and that you control. But for me, it's, it's not just about growth, uh, because the foundational layer is, you know, from the likes of Amazon or Netflix that we've learned, you know, the consumers are evolving, right? Um, so yeah, it's not yeah. just about growth, it's about survival in 5, 10, 15 years' time, where if you're not having a share or pie of that piece you might be left behind. The consumers might go kind of vogue on you. And kind of, and so it's, it's really, really important for brands to understand and appreciate and start building those front end, uh, which is, by the way, almost 10% of the investment required in opening a retail store, which is very, very expensive for it. Wow. And do you, th- and, you know, we all, we all know and love Amazon, or at least, at least I, I do. I order a lot of things from Amazon and, mm-hmm. and a lot of different products, but in your experience, do you think Amazon is making it harder for product companies to sell online or easier? Has it helped in Sear? Has it, has it made it difficult for you guys? How does, how has Amazon played a role in just overall, uh, j- just e-commerce and, and selling, selling these products online? Um, 
I think the short answer is it's made it super easy. It's made it super easy, um, approachable, and the infrastructure they have has allowed brands to sell online way beyond what they would ever imagine even five or 10 years ago. Um, so, you know, you can sell only through your own websites or you can use uh, marketplaces like Amazon where it already has a huge following. Uh, right. And, and regardless of what brands and products we sell, I think, you know, 70%, 80% of the product lines, we, we test on Amazon first. We see hmm. if the product is working. Is it getting attraction? And if it is, that we know that it's a winning product. Um, we can test on your website. But allowing Amazon, who already have a big audience and loyal audience, it, it's, it's a huge opportunity for brands. Um, and they have something called um, an FBA, which is they will also do the fulfillment of products themselves. So all of a sudden now, because majority of the traditional brands are not designed for B2C model. You know, they, they're designed to build the truck up, send to the distributor or wholesaler, and then from there it goes to the retailer and kind of the retailer does the magic of selling it uh, to the consumers. Um, right, right. And what Amazon allows as a model, you know what, you can do something similar. We make sure you're, you're, you're managing your shop online properly. Just send in bulk. And they will do the individual kind of contract, which takes a huge amount of effort away from individuals. Now, is Amazon right for that particular brand? That is a question, of course. And, and that's something that needs to be assessed on a case by case. But overall, I think it's opened eyes for consumers and brands of what's possible. Um, and generally, I would say from my experience, it's probably the first stage of the e-commerce if someone wants to, kind of, to, to build their empire online. So you're, so you're really, really leveraging, leveraging Amazon, Amazon for, for their supply and demand. demand. The, the, audio, the, the basically understanding the supply and demand for that product, and then based on that on that data that you get back, that allows you guys to uh, to, to uh, create marketing strategies, right, and create all these different things to help you sell your your brand's products. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I think the whole the success criteria for e-commerce is sales. Yeah, if you have sales. Tick mark. If you have not sales, not a tick mark, right? So, so absolutely. So, we use Amazon as a kind of stepping ladder of to get the traction to smaller brands or brands that are not well known, and then kind of build on top of that other channels and other marketplaces on your own websites, which you have more control of. So, absolutely, Amazon for us and for a lot of brands have done a lot of the right stuff. But again, with everything, it it, it is an opportunity. Uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately, 80% of the brands on Amazon um, do not make it because, you know, you, you need to use it in the right way. Um, and that, that pretty much goes with everything. But yes, as an opportunity, it's amazing. That's great. And it's like a lot of companies, these marketing companies that they use, uh, I mean, they leverage Google, right? Obviously, yeah. you know, me and you I talked a little bit before about uh, SEO and search engine optimization. So a lot of these SEO and these digital marketing firms, they leverage Google heavily, right? Because it's such a huge, yeah. huge platform to be visible online. So you guys leverage Amazon, which is great. Amazon is, I mean, if not one of the biggest companies in the world. So they're, you know, you're, you're using, using um, them as a platform to get this data and then you can create your own strategies and, and uh, like you mentioned a digital arm uh, increasing opportunities to to uh, allow these allow these uh, companies to sell their products online um, to increase sales yeah and it's, it's just a it's, it's just an easier way to kickstart again the word is kickstart right. 
it really depends on the brands of we want to stay on Amazon and off Amazon. But just to kickstart, absolutely. You know, just, just from the facts point of view, Amazon is heavily investing in the back of the business. I mean, we all know, you know, you know they went in losses just from a growth. So they're in a massive growth stage and they're still, there's a lot oh, of yeah. growth to come in. And, and Amazon, like, for example, in, in UK alone, I think last year it was on 9 or 10 billion sales that they made UK alone. And they invested 4.5 billion, almost like 45, 50% of their revenue wow. back into it. So, you know, they are, they are doing a lot of effort to bringing people in. Um, and as long as you ride the wave in the right way, um, that's a good kickstart for the brands before they can be start investing on their own front. I love it. I love it. So where do you think e-commerce is headed in regards to all the emerging technologies. You know, we all hear about uh, artificial intelligence. Me and you talked a little bit before uh, this this interview about blockchain development. But where do you feel e-commerce is headed in regards to all these emerging technologies arising, such as AI? Do you see any major shifts or changes, anything to be afraid of or just to, more just to be excited about? <laughs> um, um, it's, it's, it's a huge opportunity and it's a huge threat. I think, you know, as I said, it's not just about growth. It's about existing in the future um in, in, in that sense so i'm super excited of course um and it's only going in one direction upwards um but yes so it's a couple of views on kind of the evolution of e-commerce something that is already happening and then i'll talk about something which you know will start to evolve in two or three four years so yeah Customization or personalization is one of the biggest uh, sex ideas where organizations can be using online. And what do I mean by that? You know, the, the companies like Zara or H&M or kind of big retail stores online where they're designed in a way that depending on who comes on their website, their website changes to customize it for them. Um, and I don't know if you have experience on your, in your own workspace where you we have customizations of websites and things based on... I have. Um, and, yeah. and that is kind of, you know, very much accelerating um, because of more complex and more demand from consumers. You know, consumers almost expect brands to relate to them much better um, than ever before, um, more, more closely than ever before. So customization, as soon as you go to a place... You know, brands should already know, and this is where AI and kind of the big data based on what they've bought before, how they've bought before, um, mm-hmm. almost recommend, follow up with them. Um, the, the shop redesigns themselves based on what that person is. Um, and almost, it's very, very simple things, but kind of these are the small bending blocks that then will become huge in the future. Um, simple things like, you know, we sell a lot of supplements, for example, online. And it's like a one one month course or two month course, and one the, once the person has bought it, and let's say after forty five days or fifty days, you know a system should be able to follow up and say, you know, I see you have kind of used this. You're, you're almost about to run off. Do you want to uh, hit another one? All you have to do is one click, and we'll send it um, on your way. So the whole experience will be a lot more seamless, personalized, and customized um, for, for 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 that. Now, again, for this element to happen, I think uh, brands needs to build more than just Amazon because Amazon has the control, has a different view of what that offering is. Um, that's right. So, so, but this is, this is definitely something that's going to be hot even um, It's more complex to set up, 
but I think the tools and capabilities is going to be easier than this. Um, the bigger piece, which is going to have, I think, an impact in a much wider, wider way is, um, I think, voice search. Um, I was at recently at, at a conference where the VP of uh, Amazon, the VP of eBay, um, kind of VP director uh, Europe of um, Google, and they were coming in, and, and, and one team was very, very consistent to what we're starting to see in the trend. And Alexa coming out, uh, Siri is kind of evolving. Voice search has become, is going to be a very, very dominant force, and they expect within the next two or three years, voice search could take you know, 30, 40, 50% sometimes in certain categories um, or certain industries. Now, that's huge. Now, all of a sudden, where industries and uh, brands are investing into, say, SEO. SEO was hot in 2000. If you have done your SEO right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you made it. You, you, it it's like billboards in 1990, where if television, right. you've made it, right? Uh, but, but, but SEO has kind of evolved and is very competitive. Who does it well, kind of great. So that's why voice search, but it's more competitive. For example, if I, you know, one of the products we, um, we sell, for example, is toothpaste. Uh, you know, high-end quality toothpaste or even um, a skin cleansing for our baby cleaning product, etc. So let's take an example of toothpaste. If, if someone is t- asking Alexa, saying, can you buy me a toothpaste? And unless that Alexa can figure out from his history that what he or she has bought toothpaste, the maximum to maximum Alexa or Siri or someone of that kind are going to suggest one or maximum two recommendations of the product. Maximum two. Ideally one, maximum two. Now what that means is in a traditional way when you're looking um, on search bars right now, you have floods of page one, page two, page three. Now even if you focus on page one, there's like more than 10, 15 or on Amazon is like 20, 25, 30 options. Now what that means is brands who get filtered to spot one and two makes it and the rest don't. So it's going to be very, very highly concentrated competition of what brands are going to be able to leverage and stand and command online. So voice for me is a big, big part. And that combines with AI is, is a big change. That is so true. Voice is, is uh, I, I mean, <laughs> it's huge. I mean, even me and my company, we're creating some vo- some of the voice products. It's just going to be, I, I really think you're right. I think it is the, it's the future. Um, and just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to, for what's to come in voice and how all these companies are going to implement it. But so, so with you talking about AI, you talked a lot about opportunities and, and ad- ad- advantages and just exciting things that are coming. Um, do you see any threats? What are some of the threats that you see with, with artificial intelligence and in, in just um, in, in the e-commerce? Um, <laughs> threats and what, what do you mean? How, how AI could threaten the, the evolution or mm-hmm. successful, the success of e-commerce opportunity? Is that what you mean? Correct. Correct. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Um, I think the first thing that's coming to my mind is slightly different to this question is uh, recently I was um, I was privileged to be part of a um, I was invited as as a national policy review discussion in the House of Commons uh, government policy and and the uh, and the reason I'm bringing this is <laughs> the topic was how, what is the impact of AI on the broader society and workforce uh, the big question was you know 
I think there's a lot of common predictions and alignment within that room. So basically, it was experts around UK coming to this one place in the House of Commons and discussing this. And you know, within 20 years, 30 to 40 percent of the jobs were either completely eradicate or change, um, and that means a huge level of uh, society impact because of the skill set. Because of you know, there's a huge transformation in a very short amount of time. Um, AI, 3D printing, uh, drones, name it. I mean, there's a lot of multiple technologies coming in, in, into this as well. Yeah. And I can see that evolution happening within e-commerce space um, where the human element is, is, going to be st- is going to start being questioned. And there's already a lot of AI coming in. They'll do the digital marketing for you using bots. Uh, based on a lot of data and kind of seeing how what, what works. Uh, Amazon is using a lot of, um, of AI in their fulfillment options where the factories are becoming bigger and bigger, but the number of people are significantly reducing and reducing in terms of kind of operations and delivery for it. So yeah, from a front-end mm-hmm. consumer point of view, I can see it becoming more seamless and useful and value-add, but it's the, kind of the back-end. Um, what, what AI for me is, you know, and I don't have the answer yet. And I think very, very few really will have the answer to this at this point is what kind of skill set, well, you know, what, what is the human involvement in this e-commerce space? You know, how will the human align with the delivery of this model and how that will happen in the future? So I think that is a big question. Um, and, and the only way we can evolve is we just need to keep evolving. Um, technology is a very fast moving. I mean, if, I saw Nokia going down in five years, like literally five years from from the point of tipping, you know, five or seven years, uh, very, very far. So I think uh, that kind of transformation change is likely to happen in e-commerce as well. Yeah, and I I like that answer uh, because I I think that we do just have to evolve as well, right? You know, we can't really change that fact that AI is here uh, and it's, it's also evolving and growing. Um, and it's a technology that's going to be widely used um, by all these different companies and industries and markets. And and uh, I think that we just got to continue to adapt ourselves and pivot and evolve uh, alongside it. And I think if we have that mentality, I think it's a it's also a mental shift. I've interviewed some other people that had very similar answers to what you what you just said, uh, Sahaj, and and I love that because I I, I do think that um, as long as we evolve and pivot ourselves and adapt you know, we can create other jobs, right? You know, we may lose some jobs in, in some other areas, as you mentioned, like in fulfillment and, and all these other areas. But I think there'll be other opportunities, right, arising. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to say right now what that is. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I can see a, a brighter future, definitely, how and what. Um, my concern is only for individuals who are not that agile and, you know, a majority of the economy mm-hmm. You know, they're very, our economy is built on the way 100 years ago, kind of, it's very slowly evolving in terms of marketplaces. Um, So, you know, having a 30, 40% workforce, you know, it's going to be a huge challenge socially, workforce, um, ethically, economically. Um, But absolutely, I think those, so, uh, and and one of the big debates in that conversation was, you know, how are schools going to, um, and how is the ongoing training, culture that you know the you know, the concept of life for job is pretty much will be eradicated uh, very very soon if not already in most of the industry 
Um, so how do how do we keep going up and up and up and just being agile to evolve with, with the situation? And if we do, then yeah, absolutely. That's 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 huge. Yeah, and it was like you know you'd mentioned before the internet, right? I mean, the internet was a huge opportunity and changed the you know changed the the, the face of the planet. Essentially, the, the internet is is massive. We rely on the internet, um, but people were really scared when the, when the internet internet uh, you know. It started uh, when the internet was created. It, it was it was it was scaring a lot of people. I remember when um, you know when my, my I, I was talking to my parents about it, and they were even saying that it was just there's all these just talks around the world of threats and and things happening and and people losing jobs because of the internet. But then they said, you know what? Actually, there'll be a lot of jobs created because of the internet, right? Like developers and all these other uh, the thousands of other jobs that were created because of it. So I think it'll be a very it'll it'll be a it'll be a shift like that. We just you know as we both mentioned and agreed on that you just got to evolve and adapt and and pivot and um and have that mental um just be mentally aware of that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Upwards and onwards. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. There you go. That's it. So let's jump a little bit into, um, you know, the KPI, key performance indicator of, of sales, right? You guys, you know, we all rely on sales on, online, all these uh, products trying to sell online, which you guys, um, uh, you know, you're creating all these, op- these, these digital arms, these opportunities for these companies to do that. So do you feel that generating sales online now, whether it be for brands, is it getting easier or do you think it's getting harder? Sahaj, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's getting easier. Uh, you know, we talk about this e-commerce is kind of ever evolving. You know, Amazon is growing like massively every month. And I keep talking Amazon just because of, that's the most common that's okay. name of brand. Yeah. But, you know, talking, you know, another example, company like Casper, for example, I, I think I mentioned earlier, is, is they sell beds and they're growing at 60, 70%. They've transformed what is the art of possibilities. I think e-commerce really you know, it poses a question for brands. How do you want to be and connect with your brands? You know, how this is your opportunity to redefine who you are and what you can do. Um, and those who do it really, really well makes it, you know, it's a huge transformation. Uh, one of the brands uh, that was really struggling to get into, into UK retailers, for example, um, and we're still in the early stages of e-commerce. Everything is growing. Uh, very little saturation at this point across the majority of the industries. Of course, there's competition, but you know, like always, if you do it right, it is, they were selling about a thousand euros a month um, online, and in, la- in less than nine, sorry, eleven months, they are selling about hundred thousand, hundred ten thousand euros a month, and we're predicting about five hundred thousand euros in another two years. Now, that is a huge incremental. And what that also drives is they were talking to retailers. They were pushing to retailers, please get us in, please get us in. It's the other way around. Like Retailers have kind of identified them as like, wow, you're doing something interesting. Let's talk. And they're now getting listed into some of the retailers. So it's, it's, it's using the opportunity e-commerce, not only from an e-commerce perspective, but also your offline perspective. Uh, and super easy. Another... Another piece that um, brands are using e-commerce, again, for not just online, but offline as well, is digital insights. Now, what, so if, if someone had a product, say, 10, 20 years ago, and they kind of, they made the product, you go to your distributor, then a wholesaler, then a retailer, by the time you get feedback of what's working, what's not, let's try, let's invest in stores and everything, you know, you're pretty much killed one or two years. 
yeah. one or two years, you have invested heavily in stocks. You have invested heavily in the retail outlets, investments and demonstrations just to find out, you know what? The consumers don't like the red color. They write the blue color. And if you could have done the blue color in the first hand, you know, you could have skyrocketed scales 10 times than what it is today. As an example, just a metaphor of uh, a feature of a product or something. Now, what digital opportunity allows is to test your product. Now, I'm constantly working with a lot of brands where it's not just about the existing range. They are creating new product range based on demands that they're seeing online and testing new product concepts in a more controlled environment before going to retail space. So you know, by understanding and learning what's working and what's not, it significantly increases the chances when they go live in the real space. Uh, I understand. Yeah. So huge opinion. Netflix, again, crazy. You know, I still remember an example where you know, when they launched House of Cards, they knew House of Cards would have been a success even before launching it. They connected the best director, the best story writer, script writer, actor. They just combined what worked based on what their audience liked uh, historically, you know. And they just pulled that through together. It was based on facts, but they knew that is something that's likely to work. And it worked. It was based on facts, not based on just guesses and based on what they think might work, right? And I, I like what you said about that because you can't you – know, a lot of – I've I, the thing is I've um, seen – some companies that are, you know, that sell physical products and they're threatened to sell online because it's so saturated, right? Because everybody's selling on, for example, Amazon, everybody's selling on Amazon. All these companies are selling on Amazon. It's so saturated. It's not, and, and the thing is, it's not as easy to, I mean, you, you can put your products on Amazon. That's yeah. not difficult, but to sell and make money from Amazon is not as easy as it used to be. It's getting harder because there's a lot more competition, as you mentioned. It's a lot more saturated. Um, but I, I think a lot of it comes down to is understanding your audience, getting the metrics behind it, um, you know, and, and making sure that you're targeting your audience effectively um, with with these digital strategies that, that for example, NCR is implementing, right? So I, 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 I agree. I think it is easier if you do it the right way. I think people just need to do their homework and do a lot of research and understanding what they're, you know, who they're actually selling to. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's a very different skill set. Like for ex in the retail space, when you have decided on a pricing, for example, that's pretty much done. You know, you don't, you're not going to change pricing maybe after a year or two, potentially. Online space, sometimes you have to assess pricing on a daily basis in the in initial stages. So it has its own challenge. And that's why, absolutely right, listing is not an issue. Everyone, uh, a 10-year-old kid can list a product on Amazon or their own uh, website on uh, big data or big commerce or Shopify or anything of that sort. But it's, it's about how to, to, to make that tip. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Haj, uh, just jumping a little now into high level business, where do you feel entrepreneurship and, you know, I, I consider you a leader and, and a successful entrepreneur. So where do you feel entrepreneurship is headed in our global economy? Because, and I love to ask this question because as we all know, everyone's starting a business, right? You know, I mean, I'm sure you know tons of people in the UK that are starting a business. Our, all of our, our parents, our moms, dads, our grandparents, they're all starting companies. Uh, all these kids from college, they're all starting companies. So wh where do you feel that, where do you feel entrepreneurship is really headed in the world um, right now? 
I have a very big place in my heart and mind for you know, true entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, they really have the power and influence to change the world for the better. Um, at the heart of it, and, and what we've seen in the last 10, 15, 20 um, years is it's not the big companies that's radically transforming the world. It's the it's the smaller agile, super hungry companies or entrepreneurs such as companies that makes a difference. So for, for me, you know, I, I feel very, it feels amazing that this is encouraged more and more and more kind of going forward. Um, on the other side of the coin is, as I said, you know, people have kind of seen Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk or Richard Brown. Yep. Or Elon Musk, and it's like, wow, this is cool, this is awesome, and you know, (laughs) I want to do that stuff. And they kind of started, and you know, it's not saying I have not done that. In fact, when I started my 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 business, kind of moved on from a job to here, I was kind of naive in that similar sense. Um, You know, like, wow, I'm I'm my own boss, like freedom to do everything, but just to find out that you work twice as hard. Or half the pay that you would have gone in a job. Yep. Um, and, so true. You know, people don't really. It's very difficult to explain or to feel it. Uh, what really entrepreneurship is, you know, and, you know, people can go into for different reasons. You know, they have passion for something, uh, freedom, but majority of it is money. Um, and that's why I think the stats. I don't know if how true these stacks are, but kind of, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, 60, 70, 80% of the businesses fail in the first five years. Um, and-, and apparently 90, I think the stats came out 90, to, uh, it's somewhere between 90 to 95% of startups fail within the first two years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's, it's um, different sectors and different industries have this, but, 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 but the point, absolutely, yeah. I think the majority of them fail. Um, and, it's, it's, it really comes down to, yes, skill set and capability, but also, most importantly, the reason why they entered in, uh, entrepreneurship in the first place. Um, if, if their purpose and passion was really, really strong and to the point, they would found the reason to make it work. Um, and, for, and for me, like, even if it's failed in the first two or five years, that is not a failure. That's not a definition of failure if you, if you don't stand up again. Uh, if, if, you, if you don't start up again, maybe yes, but you know, that is, that's part of the journey. I still remember, uh, it was about just over a year in my business, and I was struggling. I was really struggling. Um, I didn't understand the market too well. I, hope, I was hoping market would, would be flooded and would, would running to me, <laughs> like begging me, like, so I was like, you're awesome, please help me out. It was the other way around. It was just, it was, and I remember there's one contract I was really relying on um, that was almost filling the bread and butter, um, you know, bringing food on my table. It was that desperate on what debit credit cards and everything. Um, and yes, I could have taken help from family, but, but, you know, part of me just wanted to do it myself. And I got a call. Uh, I remember I was on Notting Hill Station, one of the underground stations in London, um, very kind of old traditional way style of um, Kind of to you when I got a call from this client saying, you know what, sorry, the budget has been changed. We need to pause this contract. And this, that literally, yeah. that was the last moment. I was, that was almost, I failed a bit of success. I failed, and this was a bit of kind of hope, and that just took me under the ground. And it was, 
I remember kind of turning around at the corner of the station uh, with this wooden brick style, and I was crying. I was just, it was really, and that's that's the first time I realized it's so hard. It's really very hard, and it's not for everyone. It because, but, but that I needed that. I am so grateful for that experience because I needed that because to become who I want to become, I am going through an experience and journey that will help me that. Um, so I had to change as a person. So to your question, where is entrepreneurship going? I think it's going in a great direction, um, but people need patience um, with this and have the right reasons to, 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 to get to it. Gary says it wonderfully. You know, speed, micro, yeah, patience, and macro. Um, in that sense, and so I'm super excited. But it's just a bit of tip and advice for those who are entering into the space. You know, it's super excited. It's hard, but it's rewarding. That's such a that's such a beautiful answer, uh, Sahaj. Because I feel the. Uh, I mean, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you. Um, I I got interviewed on an, on another podcast, The Daily Grind, and uh, I, he asked me that question, and I said something very very similar. There's there's all these there's all these character traits involved in, in entrepreneur. Right? There's a lot of different elements that that make you entrepreneurial, but it's not just the knowledge that you have or how smart you are or you know your capabilities. A lot of it comes down to the fight in you, right? Having this, this grit, you have to have this grit, this fight to, to, to persevere and never give up. And it also comes down to being willing to, to sacrifice and be patient and know that if you believe in what you're doing and you're consistent with it, right? And you work hard that you will succeed. You will reach your, your goals and, and your dreams. Um, and, and also, um, behind that is, is having the, the, um, the, the right intent. I call them, you know, the motive, having the right motive behind what you're doing, not just being in it to make money. Um, and not just being in it to have a name for yourself or to say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a CEO or, you know, you all, you know, all these CEO titles you see on LinkedIn, you're on LinkedIn, right? All the time you see all these CEO titles and, and founders and everything like that. We all love these titles, but it's more than that. You know, I used to love the titles too, when I first started my company seven years ago, but it's a lot more than that. It's, it's a, a lot of it is about what you're doing, how you're providing value to people, how you're changing lives, how you're inspiring um, what you're doing to the, how you're impacting the community and the world in a positive way. Um, and these things, all these, all these different motives and, and purposes behind what you're doing is going to give you that, it's going to give you that authority. It's going to give you that influence to, um, I think to make a, make a positive impact in, in our world. So I love the answer, man. That, Thank that you. And, and just to kind of, when I started my journey, I didn't knew exactly the path and the purpose that I have today. Um, it's taken me a journey and kind of almost self-finding of coming to this stage. But the important part, if I'm just reflecting back, is just to take a leap of faith and get on with it. And having the right intention. I didn't, I didn't know specifically yep. what my proposition or proposal uh, is to the market space or how they're going to react. But it evolved just because I just want to make a difference. Um, and I can see that in, in other entrepreneurs kind of learning from that as well. So absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, I've been in the business for like three, four years now. It's just been a year, like almost a year ago 
where I kind of had a light bulb switch, like, oh, that is my purpose, actual purpose. <laughs> because even in the early stages of the business, you know, you, you're focused on the numbers and you kind of want, want to make it work. You're getting for feedback and you want to make a big difference. But the market will tell you yeah. where you stand. The market is so true. It's always right. Uh, it doesn't matter if your product is good or bad. It's always right. It's kind of that feedback. And to come to this place where my purpose is to give hope for good brands to survive in the digital age is a blessing. You know, for every good product like Apple, that thousands and thousands of products don't even come to the shelf. They're better than Apple to some extent. I, I looked at one of the, one of the makers of the phone where there's that literally if you put on your hand, it just curves and fits on your palm. Like, like how cool is that? Mm. Like, we are talking about Samsung and Apple having the curved screen. Like, this freaking whole phone curves on your hand. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not going to see the light um, if it's not supported. So for me, the, like, the purpose is to, to connect amazing brands and make, it, make the difference that it's, it's born to be. And I, I really didn't have that purpose when I started. So it, it just needs patience to evolve into something that you, you're born to be. Perfect. Love it. So just to kind of finish things out, close, close things out, I always ask uh, the three hows. So Zahaj, how do you define failure? And I know you dabbled a little bit into this before, but how do you essentially define failure? How do you define entrepreneurship? And how do you define success? Okay. Uh, brief answer, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Failure, um, I think, is just a state of your thought process. Nothing more. It's no physical. It's not about achieving objective or not achieving objective. It's just a state of your mind. If you think you have failed, you have failed. If you think you have learned from an experience, you've learned from an experience. So um, the biggest misinterpretation of the, the word failure is not being able to achieve your objectives or things or what we aspire to be and not being able to, you know, I wish I had millions and millions, you know, first day of my business, just exaggerating, but you know, it's a, it's just a state of mind rather than anything physical for me. Um, and the opposite of that is success. You know, success is also a state of mind. So every experience if you build on a block on your experience that goes closer to your um, to your vision or mission or purpose in life, that is a success. Um, eating good food and even enjoying that or enjoying family time and just being in the moment. For me, success is being in the moment and just appreciating and everything. And just that just, again, it's a very state of mind um, thought process more than anything else. Entrepreneurship is, uh, that's a difficult one to put in a few things. <laughs> um, I think true entrepreneurs is, they really want to make a difference. It doesn't matter how small or big, on each individual level, they really want to make the difference and challenge the status quo. You know, that you know, majority of the world um, just flows. They are born, they flow, they pass away. You know, entrepreneurs, and it doesn't have to mean that you have your own business. You can do entrepreneurship. It, it's more of a your, your approach to life. It can 
it, so it, true. It, it can be in a job, it can be in a family life, it can be anything. It depends what, it, it's more of a state of act. If, you know, how to be more, to give more, to do more um, and create a legacy uh, um, in this process eventually. So I think it's, it's a difficult one to explain in a few things, but for me, that is, you know, I, that's why I admire entrepreneurs very, very high. It doesn't have to be their own business or things, but just the thought process, um, you know, self-motivated, resilient, can-do attitude, um, and let's make this world a little more better place than when we were born. Such great answer, Sahaj. Uh, I love it. All, all amazing. Thank you very much for, for answering those. So where can everyone find you? Your website, social handles? Yeah, so um, our company is called Ensere, uh, E-N-S-E-R-E.com, Ensere, uh, where they can connect with me. They can know more about how and well we can help brands uh, win in the online space uh, for almost zero set of fees. Um, so it's, 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 I'm super excited. We have built amazing, amazing partnership across Europe. Uh, Europe is a difficult market, so many different languages, you know, compared to the US, one language, big market, the US is very, very complex. So, um, super excited with this journey. And again, as I said, super excited with the purpose of helping great brands connect with their customers. So ncr.com is the best place for, to, to know more about. Okay, perfect. And uh, Sahaj, thank you again uh, for being part of this podcast and uh, sharing your story with us. I'm, I'm very thankful. And thanks everyone again for listening. And this is your host, Michael Giorgio on Tales from the Pros. And until next time. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and also follow our social media. Uh, there are links somewhere around here. But uh, we really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for all the support. And I'm going to be giving you awesome content continuously. And we look forward to seeing you soon.